Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Luke in a um, series we're calling The Way, and if you have Bibles with you, please feel free to turn with them. We'll get uh, to Luke chapter 14 here in just a minute. What our intent here is, we're going to be kind of flying quickly through this text. We, we are going to be doing a quick survey this year of the, of the two books, the two volumes that Luke wrote, uh, the Gospel of Luke here, and then uh, following Easter, we'll be moving into the book of Acts in kind of volume one, volume two. Uh, and, and those, of course, are linked together. The, the book of Luke, the gospel, tells the story of Jesus, who is a man who does what he does by the power of the Spirit. And the book of Acts is the story of the church, who are the people of God, who do what they do by the power of the Spirit. You probably noticed the theme there is the work of the Holy Spirit, which we sung about this morning and, and, and which is essential for our, of our being, right? So that said, uh, we're, we're going to be moving quickly through things. I wish, uh, you know, Darren and I, every time we, we make a decision on, on series, we always get stuck because there's so, so much more that we would like to dig into and so much more that we'd like to say. Um, so we're going to move quickly through a passage this morning that would bear just sitting and soaking in for a while. But nonetheless, I think it has something to say to us uh, that, that I'd like you to, to uh, come to. And particularly this passage uh, in, in Luke chapter 14, because it's one of those ones that I've heard and, and spoken on uh, varieties of times that I really kind of thought I had pretty much nailed in, in terms of what it was saying. Uh, and then this week it kind of just blew up on me and uh, invited me to a whole other level of conversation. So hopefully, uh, as we open ourselves up to the Spirit, uh, it, it, will, it will do the same thing uh, for, for you. So if you have Bibles, uh, let's, let's pick it up. And uh, we're going to just read the first verse of chapter 14, then skip down a couple paragraphs. I'll fill in that backstory here in a minute. Um, so one Sunday, one Sabbath... Uh, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you'll be repaid. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. There's one in every crowd, isn't there? Just, well, okay. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. 
The first said, I've just bought a field. I, I, I must go and see it. Please, excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke, and a, a yoke of oxen and I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to try them out. Please, excuse me. Still another said, I just, I just got married, so, so I can't come. And, go ahead. The servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. Still, there is room. Then the master told the servant, go to the roads and the country lanes. Make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So we're just going to walk through this kind of a, a chunk at a time here. And the, the first place that we begin is noticing in typical fashion for the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus is uh, at dinner. Uh, you probably have noticed that he spends a lot of time eating uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, in some ways you can kind of frame the Gospel of Luke as Jesus is, is eating or he's on his way from dinner or he's on his way to dinner. Uh, he, he does that a lot. In, in fact, uh, in a few chapters, he's going to haul a guy down out of a tree because he has the, kind of the growlies and he wants to, you know, I, I got to have lunch at your house. So, so he pulls the guy out and, and, and away we go. Um, and this story here starts with this. Jesus went out to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee and he was being carefully watched. So we need to recognize that Jesus is an equal opportunity um, dinner guest, Right. He'll go wherever anybody invites him. He'll eat with the uh, tax collectors and sinners, but he'll also eat with the Pharisees, the up and outs, right? Not just the down and outs, but with the up and outs. He will, he will honor them and they will honor him and he will receive that. Because remember that in this culture, uh, sharing a meal is not just getting lunch done. It's not just a meeting. It is a way of, of honoring. It's a way of hospitality. The highest value in that ancient culture is the value of hospitality to to receive the stranger to receive the, the 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 sojourner so to speak as family and and invite them to sit down at table with you and to share uh, share a meal is is of the highest of values. So this isn't just uh, like like and, and in fact in, in many cultures today this is this is the case right where 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 a meal is is uh, a, a real kind of prominent way of inviting people into your journey, into your life. And so this prominent Pharisee, Jesus says, has invited him, or excuse me, Luke says, has invited Jesus to dinner and he's gone. He's gone to sit with the Pharisee and, and, and uh, he's being, however, carefully watched. This is a, a strategic invitation as well. Um, where what... what Pharisees are doing. We're still relatively early, so to speak, in the ministry of Jesus. And the Pharisees' job, you may recall, is to kind of examine the upstart rabbis to see if they need to protect Judaism from the false teaching. So what they're trying to do when they say he's watched carefully, they're trying to figure out where Jesus fits. What what spectrum of rabbinic teaching does he, 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 he lie within? There are ranges. It's, it's not possible to say Judaism in the first century. You have to talk about Judaisms. 
You have the Sadducees, you have the Pharisees, and within the Pharisees there's a wide range of both political and religious and theological beliefs. So it's not a monolithic belief structure that is oppositional to Jesus. In fact, as you probably recognize, there are many of the Pharisees and Sadducees who were disciples of Jesus. Many who were in positions of political power who were disciples of Jesus. It wasn't this this monolithic oppositional force against him. This guy, however, however, is, is at this stage of the game is trying to evaluate where does, where does Jesus fit? So he's, he's watched. Um, I don't know if any of you are, are uh, public radio fans. I, that's pretty much, you know, when I listen to the radio, I end up on NPR most of the time. Does anybody else like that? Yeah, three or four of us. So you may recognize if you, if you listen to it, that there's a, a program called uh, Dinner Party Download, which uh, is hosted by uh, Rico Galliano and, and Brendan Francis Noonan. And their, their tagline is, how to win your next dinner party. In other words, you know, taking the American predilection to competition and, and turning it, you know, how do, how do you triumph at your next dinner party? So they've got jokes and cocktail recipes and you know, various conversations and news that would fascinate people as you're sitting there and trying to impress people that you don't like or whatever. Anyway, so, so Jesus now steps in. He, he kind of foreshadows this 2,000 years ago because the next chunk of this passage is kind of like a dinner party download. How do you win your next dinner party? So right after this, uh, we, I didn't quote the text, and I probably should have, but he, he, just, he just is sitting there noticing, because while they're watching Jesus, guess what? He's watching them. And he notices when they come in that they kind of shuffle for position. Not everybody comes in at once. They kind of, depending on their, their position or their perceived position or their self-perception of their position, Decide where around this long U-shaped table they will sit. Will they sit up at the top of the table where the guests of honor are and thus indicate their priority? They would sit, in other words, based on kind of their sense of where they fit into the pecking order of their society. So Jesus' advice is, look, you guys, you look like a jerk. You come in, you take the high place because that's where you think you belong. And then somebody more important comes and guess what? You can dump. Here's a strategy you might want to write down. Take the low seat first. Then when somebody, the host comes in, he will, in front of everybody, elevate you to the position that you so rightly, and you can see the guy saying, genius, that's genius. You know, we can get the position we deserve, because you all know we deserve high positions without actually having to demonstrate the superiority for that position, we can both be humble and exalted at the same time. Win-win, right? And uh, advice to, to guests, right? And then he goes on with this piece of advice. To the host now. He leans over to the guy who's invited him. When you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your brothers or relatives, your rich neighbors. Because if you do, chances are they'll invite you back and you'll be repaid. Right? Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, 
and you'll be blessed. Now, they can't repay you, but you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Here's this, this strategy that Jesus is inviting them into. And we kind of get to catch a glimpse here because Jesus is kind of on to their game, right? Who do you invite to dinner? You invite to dinner people that will invite you to dinner. So you end up in this circle of repayment. You get invited to their house for dinner, and now you have to invite them back to your house for dinner because they upped the ante in, in their invitation. You, any, anybody else know this happens to other people? Right? You, 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 they, 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 had the, they had the A dinner, and now you have to have the A-plus dinner, so you have to have them back because you have to have the A-plus-plus dinner. Then they have to have you back because now it's A-plus-plus-plus dinner, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. You, you, know, you start with your little 18-inch Weber kettle. By the time we're done, we've got pitmasters going on, right? This cycle of repayment... And, and Jesus recognizes that in the doing of that, you've missed the whole point of the meal. So here's a strategy. Don't invite your friends. Don't invite your brothers. Don't invite people who can pay you back, who owe you one. Invite people who have no chance of repayment. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Invite them. Now, you'll get repaid, but it will be in the... And he uses this interesting language. Go ahead and put that back up again. Look at that. At the resurrection of the righteous. He is using the word righteous here in a particularly Jewish fashion. It means those who do the right thing. You'll be, you will be rewarded because you've done the right thing. Right? And you, but you can hear the, the guys in the crowd saying... That's nuts. That's why we have people over for dinner. So that we can be invited to their place for dinner. That's, that's how we do life. That's why we do this. We want them to repay us. So why should I, why in the world would I wait for some far off banquet, resurrection of the righteous, really, when I can do dinner next Friday night? Right? So the tension is starting to build in the room a little bit because they're trying to figure out what in the world. The first piece of advice was bang on, on point. The second thing, I'm not so sure. So what happens when, well, then you've got some guest who figures out the tension's too high and decides to break it. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. I wish somehow the translators had been able to figure out how to convey Jesus' facial expressions. Because my guess is that it would have been something like, you know, kind of a, really? We're, we're going to go there? Because what has he done? He shifted the conversation. Now, there's somebody always has to say some religious thing. Right? And he puts it in the form of a, of a beatitude. Blessed is the man. Oh. Right? Who will eat the feast of the kingdom of God. Sounds so good. And Jesus is just saying, you, you really have no idea what you're talking about, do you? 
But he piggybacks on this phrase because Jesus understands something about the kingdom of God. In fact, he has been since the beginning of his ministry saying something about the kingdom of God. Namely, that it is not some far off distant thing, but it is available for entry right now. So when this guy says, blessed is the one who will eat future tense at the feast in the kingdom of God, he's recognized he hasn't heard a thing Jesus has been saying. So here's Jesus' parable on this story. He says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. This is an interesting one, because the word here for great banquet uh, is a Greek word that signals that this, ban- this was the banquet to end all banquets. This is the mega banquet. This is the, this is, this is the take, your, take, your, take your dinner party download to the max and then mag- orders of magnitude greater than that. That's what that word means. So much so that when Matthew gets a hold of the same parable, he changes the certain man to a king. So we have this contrast between these people who were kind of doing as best they could in their neighborhood, and now they've received this invitation from somebody who's merely the invitation costs more than the dinner. Do do, do you know what I mean? The, 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 The engraved personal invitation costs more than the whole dinner that these guys are sitting at listening to Jesus. That's kind of, a, kind of the idea that he's getting, getting across, across here. He's a, a certain man, and he invited many guests. Boatloads of people invited to come. So that invitation had gone out, kind of the save the dates had gone out, right? And, and now the dinner's ready, so they send out a, a messenger to let the people know that uh, it is ready and everything is, is prepared for them. And then, he says, they all alike, all alike, began to make excuses. And please notice what Luke does here. He just, he under, this is not reasons. These are excuses. What's an excuse? An excuse is a reason for you to not do something you weren't going to do anyway. Didn't want to do anyway. How many of you know that you're really good at generating reasons to not do what you don't want to do? Or worse, for me at least, to do what you really want to do. You'll find a reason to do. And Luke just calls us out. No, these are excuses. What are they? Well, I bought a field. I got to go see it. And it's like... You realize how stupid that sounds, right? The field is likely going to be there tomorrow. I mean, they tend not to move. You know? Or here's another guy. This is the one I love. Uh, Another said, I've I've just bought five yoke of oxen. That's a significant financial investment. What are you buying five yoke of oxen for without trying them out? Right? Right? It's, it's, it's like buying a car by mail order. Uh, so I'm just going to go try. Please, please, excuse me. I'd love to come. I really, really, I would love to come. But you understand, the oxen are calling. Right? Or, or the guy that has a, kind of a quasi-close to a reasonable excuse. Another said, I just got married. I can't come. He's picking up there on the on the uh, kind of a, um, uh, a tradition in Deuteronomy that a person once married is excused from military service for a year. Which is not exactly the same thing as a dinner party. 
although I probably have been to some dinner parties that military service would be an appropriate preparation for. But, but nonetheless, here's this guy, who's, he's, just, he's just fishing, he's just fishing. Because here's the deal, you got notice of the banquet. Right? You've got the invitation from your sovereign. You have been invited to the White House. Don't plan a wedding when you're invited to the White House for dinner. Figure it out. Right? Excuse. Excuse. So, servant comes back. Reports to his master. What does he report to his master? Luke's version of the story tells us that not one single one of those who were invited came. They all found excuse not to attend. And please notice that what is happening here is not simply uh, 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 a failure to RSVP. It's not simply a matter of, 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 of not wanting to, to do lunch. It's a, it's a matter of dismissing and disregarding and dishonoring the host. You have been invited to a banquet. And you're generating excuses, which is not just about not going to dinner. It's about dismissing, dissing the host. And so the host responds appropriately. He's angry. He's angry because he knows that these guys will never again, as long as they live, have a dinner available to them like this dinner. He's angry not simply because he has been dismissed, but because they have set themselves aside from what they were invited to. Please notice here that these guys, in their, in their choosing to do this, have figured it out. Why would anybody... Why would anybody not want to go to the banquet? Why generate bogus excuses like this? Because they've already done the math. They live in a system of repayment. If I go to that dinner, I will be indebted to that person for the rest of my life. I could never repay this kind of generosity. It's not enough, you see, for me to receive it with thanksgiving. It has to be a negotiation, a commercial obligation that I'm brought into. I can't simply receive. I, I, I'm obligated now. And rather than that, I would run the risk of dismissal of the invitation. And the landowner, the, uh, the master, becomes angry. He, this is one of the strongest words in the Greek language. This, this eruption of frustration at these people who have been blessed with his generosity and have refused his gift. They are rejecting him. And please notice, the guys who are listening to Jesus' story, they're on the side of the, the, the host. You just don't do that. You just don't do that. Who would do that? Who would do that? Come to find out, I would do that. Wouldn't you? Don't you? Because here's the deal. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. 
And he's suggesting that the kingdom of God is available for entry now through him. This is not some future thing. This isn't the story about heaven. This is not the marriage supper of the Lamb, whatever in the world that is. This is about life in the kingdom available now. And, 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 and remember this, this, this little paradigm that we use here. We're built for this liminal space. We're not angels, pure spirit. We're not animals, body. We are souls. We're built to live in that in-between space. But if we're not careful we will be anchored so tightly to the dirt that when the invitation to the kingdom life comes, we won't be able to let go of the dirt. And we will blame the dirt for not letting go of us. And that's what these excuses are. They're distractions. They have received the greatest invitation they will ever receive in their entire lives. This is not some future entrance. This is the kingdom available for entry right now. And they're so anchored to the dirt, they're so distracted by their stuff that they have no capacity to respond to the invitation. And I wish I could tell you that was about somebody else. But this week it has become about me. Because this is not about going to heaven. This is about participating in the life of the kingdom now. And I find my heart anchored to the dirt. So notice the response. The servant comes back. The master is angry. He orders his servant, go out into the streets, into the alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. You hear in here this, the echo of the story that Jesus told. As the guys hear the story the first time, they're saying, who would do that? Who would do that? And Jesus tells them a story of somebody who has done that. Who has done that. Who has come to them. First with invitation. They have received notice that the kingdom is coming. And now in Jesus' ministry, it's present. He is announcing its presence. And what's the response? Excuses. Distractions. We're tied to the dirt. So the servant hears the master saying, Go quickly into the streets, the alleys, the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. I love this servant. Notice what he says, Sir, what you ordered has been done. He did what the master wanted before the master even asked him to. So tuned in to what the father so tuned in to what the master's heart was that the servant has already acted to bring the crippled, to bring the blind, to bring the lame, to bring the poor. And they are seated at the banquet table ready. But, he says, there's still room. And so the master says, go out to the roads. Go out to the guys who slept under the bridge last night. Go to the country lanes where the people that can't fit into regular society, the lepers, the immoral, the broken, bring them in. Make them come in. Why do they have to be made to come in? Because they know more than anybody else. That's the only way you're going to get me in there. I don't fit. And the master says, 
there's a place at the table for you. I don't belong. Well, you don't get to say that. I've already said that you belong. There's a name card at your place. If we have to drag you in, we'll get you there. If you want to come. This is the nature of the master. He goes out. Why? Why? Notice this, middle line. So that my house will be full. That's the kind of generous host that Jesus is talking about. That's the kind of generous host that Jesus represents. That's the kind of generous host that has extended invitation to you, to me. He wants his house to be full. He's not willing that anybody should miss out on the opportunity for dinner. You can settle for jack-in-the-box if you want. But there's an invitation. And here's the heartbreak of the host. We settle for jack-in-the-box. We settle, in Lewis's language, for mud pies. We're anchored to the dirt. Like I said, I... I, uh, kind of I've always known what this is about. And this week it just kind of exploded on me. I realized that this is not some future invitation to a future kingdom. This comes to us at some level virtually every day. Will you come to the table? Will you find a cup poured and a generous host with the table spread? Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? And I find myself like these guys, distracted by the dirt, don't you? Distracted by the concerns. Notice, what, what anchored them to the dirt? Well, I bought a field. I bought oxen. I, I, ten, ten, ten oxen, five yoke. That's, that's a significant investment. I wouldn't want to just kind of leave it and go to dinner. What if... What if you're anchored to the dirt is the way of the graveyard. What if you're being invited to life, but you're tied so much to the grave that you can't escape? What if the distractions, anybody recognize the distractions? Prohibit you from saying yes to the best invitation you've ever had. And I'm not just, please note, these are the religious leaders that he's talking to. These are folks like y'all. These are folks like me who ought to have known better. Why didn't they come? You know why? Because they had something better to do. Or so they thought. And why did the poor and the blind and the lame crippled? Why did the guy who slept under the bridge and the gutter of the streets in the alleyways and the byways. Why did they? Because they had nothing better to do. That's why. So Luke just pushes, pushes us here. Doesn't he, doesn't he do that? With, don't you just wish it was about heaven? You know? I'm in? Good. Mm, no. This is about the kingdom. Because we have nothing better to do, really, 
Then the other piece on this that just really kind of invited me in is I want to be that servant who knows his master's heart so well that before the master can say, he is already acting to bring in whosoever will. I want to be that guy. I want to partner with my master to extend that invitation to people who I think otherwise might not be included because I was one of those. I, can, I, I, understand, I understand the excuses because there's no possible way we can repay them, right? Because no, if you make the receiving of an invitation like this condition on your ability to repay, you might as well just stay home. Check out your field. Plow with your oxen because it's not going to get better than that for you. But if you're willing to receive a gift from somebody who have no chance of repaying as a mark of his generosity then maybe it's time to dress for dinner. Um, This week has, like I mentioned, uh, has has kind of messed with me on this text because I I, I found myself um, in praying through this face down before the Lord because I was looking in the mirror of this text and I realized the, the distractions abound for me. I... Sometimes I'm doing, I do really well at remembering who I am, right? And sometimes I just, I just plummet and get so, I grab a hold of the dirt and hang on for dear life. Is anybody else like that? I mean, it's like, it's like, I'm embarrassed to say this, but this past week I've gotten anxious about money again for the first time in a long time. And I get, I, I mean, and I, why? Because nothing's changed. Nothing's happened. You know, I, 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 maybe, maybe retirement's out there and I keep on seeing it. Re- you know, <laughs> the stock market fluctuating, you know. And, 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 and it's just like, what are they doing with my, my life? You know, it's not just my money. It's my, Right? got kids that need help and you got people that are asking and usually I've, I've got a pretty good sense of God's provision and faithfulness he has been so good but every once in a while it just he cannot be trusted in this right I've got to get a hold of this and I grab a hold of handfuls of dirt and anchor myself anybody else the invitation comes. No, I gotta hang on. Eat dinner? Are you kidding me? It could be my last meal. You coming? You coming? You coming? And he invites. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.